Hello, everybody, and welcome to Savvy Talk. I'm Trog, and I'm joined, as always, by Maha. How are you? Hey there. How are you? Good. So we're going to be continuing our sort of intro into 2021 or kickoff 2021 series. Uh, but today we're going to talk a little bit about the future of work. 2020 was a year where a lot of our behaviors changed. Partly out of force, we were forced to work from home and completely changed how business is done, was done, right? All mm-hmm. through the year. And I think we want to let it put that or plot that into 2021 and talk with you about uh, what do you think work is going to look like? Yeah, I mean, so many things changed for us in 2020, but I think nothing more profound than the way that we work. And people are like, hmm, this working from home stuff actually works. Like people can still be productive and actually a a company can run virtually and just kind of surprised everybody, like how much time and money we spent on travel and doing in-person meetings and in all the, you know, collaboration tools and the beauty of technology that allowed people to continue to stay connected, even though they weren't in the same location. So I think it had a couple of different interesting takes, like some people were more productive. They got to spend that time that they would spend in the morning commute, doing other things for their health. And some industries couldn't work remotely. You really had to be in a production line or on a shift, or you have to be doing things in person. Or if you're in the medical field, obviously you can't do that remotely. But there was a lot of interesting things that I think we're taking away about what the future of work will look like. How will this change the way that we work? Not only that, but also what kind of jobs can we get? Like now I can work anywhere. Like I don't have any geographical boundaries, which is good and which is bad. So on the good side, that means I have access to jobs I probably didn't have access to before. But on the same token, employees really need to think about, hey, now their competitive pool is not the people in their same city or that to get recruited. They're competing with a bigger talent pool because now companies know that they can recruit from anywhere. One of the things that I, I saw when one of these studies was that, you know, people were just like had less workplace distractions and, you know, cost businesses a lot of money. So how did the working from home structure change the way that people will think about in the future? Will they actually go back to the office? Will they like to have that flexibility of, you know, maybe a couple days in the office and the rest of the time at home? Are people so sick of sitting at home wearing sweatpants and want to put on their clothes and interact with other people? It diverse is diverse based on their experience and based on the culture and based on the industry that they work in. But what I wanted to kind of dive into was all the different things I think are going to change in the future of work. So let's get started with, there's 10 points. I'm just going to give you a preview. Uh, The first one is that employees want work flexibility. They like having the option to work remotely. It helps with their mental health. Like it might be going to a co-working space or going to a Starbucks. But they said in the survey that came out with the Mental Health Institute in America was that 66% of participants would prefer to work remotely full-time after the pandemic is over. And 33% want that combination of in-office and remote time. And I think even for me, like I want to have the ability to work from home and I also love the ability to go to work. Yeah, I think, I mean, I don't, I don't think anybody's saying that they don't want to meet people, they don't want to interact and they want to sit in meetings and, and, and you know, work on projects together. But the idea of flexibility changes the game, right? And we spoke about this on a previous episode as well, where you look at things like parents, you look at things like people staying with family, and there needs to be catered to that could not be catered to if you're stuck, you know, nine to five plus commute times in a fixed location. And you kind of now suddenly have this flexibility to say, I can be productive, I can save all this travel time, but at the same time, I can get stuff done, uh, you know, personal exactly. stuff done as well, yeah. 
So number two, communication with employees has improved and taken on more importance. So, you know, I'm a big proponent of internal communications, but now we really have to figure out as our teams became more dispersed, like how does leadership, you know, engage with their employees? How do you make sure that you stay aligned? How do you do those team checkups? How do you make sure that the two-way communication is taking greater importance and visibility for an entire organization and really making sure that we can keep uh, you know, the communications game up and the level of communication even more so. So we talk about over communicating to make sure that even though you're not together, you're still able to communicate a- as much as you were before. Yeah, and I think this is something, of course, you've stressed many times, but we did an episode about this uh, soon after the lockdowns, focusing on how to communicate internally when your team is separated and remote. So we'll link to that in the show notes as well. Yeah. So number three is in reimagining the office space. So when we are going back to work, how are those office spaces going to look like? Are they going to be more about collaboration spaces? Are they going to be more about socializing wider groups, having leadership meetings, team meetings? Like is going to the office space sitting independently in your cube or really kind of using as a hub and reimagining, okay, we go to the office together for certain purposes and purpose needs driven by the business. Number four is listen more. Team check-ins are super critical and it really helps with team alignment. So we always talk about having that communication hierarchy and flattening it so that all the different levels of the organization are being heard up and down. So it's very difficult when you're on Zoom to really show your leadership, to really show how you're trying to, you know, empower your teams if you're a manager or if you're an employee and you really want to show your manager what you're capable of. So really focusing on the listening element of those calls, understanding where the team members are participating, where they're not, it's really, really important as we continue to do leadership and management in a virtual environment. And I think it's really interesting here, and I, I know this is going to kind of branch us into the next point too, because one of the difficult things, of course, when we talk about sort of teams not being in the same space and not being able to communicate as effectively, or rather managing them becoming harder and harder. I mean, what is your take on developing uh, not only good culture, but also good skills in terms of being a good manager in such situations? Yeah, I mean, that's actually the next point I want to talk about is how do you build that culture? So number five is culture matters. So all the different things, Shirag, that companies need to be doing, even if it's virtual. Employee wellness programs, celebrating your employees with recognition and reward, you know, making sure that the employees don't feel isolated in their daily routines and making sure you're checking in with them, you know, staying up to up to date with them to make sure that you're sharing with them things that you need, they need to know about company policies, company business plans, like all the things that are happening. So building a culture in a remote envi- environment, it's not difficult to do. It just requires a plan. It requires a plan of how you should think about how do you share and cascade your culture? You know, some of the things that businesses do on social media is called surprise and delight, where they surprise and delight their customers. The same thing should be true in your company, like making sure you're going out of your way to surprise and delight your employees and find ways to be creative during the pandemic. You know, a lot of people did like Halloween kind of, you know, dress up parties or something for the holidays, making sure you're celebrating those special occasions that you would normally do in person and celebrate anniversaries or celebrate birthdays or, you know, milestones for the company, doing them virtually. 
Second thing is like really understanding how, how in the culture to share your values. If one of the values of the company is to display empathy and kindness, then you really need to make sure that that's cascading throughout the organization, that everybody understands how to deploy empathy, when to deploy empathy, you know, ensure that the leaders get training as well. Like this is also new for them. They aren't like experts in managing during remote environments in a pandemic. So make sure that those leaders get the training so that the employees can benefit from what they are, 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 are doing. Okay, number six is everyone should get involved. So everyone should get a chance to lead. So during regular team meetings, making sure that as a leader or manager, that you're making sure that everybody on the Zoom is seen and heard. So a lot of times there might be somebody in a call who's really just kind of, you know, leading the conversation and, and talking a lot. And you may notice some of the other people aren't participating as much and they're feeling a little bit siloed or unheard. So what can you do to kind of help bring out their ideas, bring out something that they're comfortable doing? Even we, I saw some studies about in schools where some students just don't perform that well on Zoom. They don't like being put on the spot and called on and front of their teacher, but they would do it in a classroom environment where they feel more uncomfortable. So making sure that you get everybody involved. And as a leader, think about the future of work is making sure that you are making sure that every single employee that's on that screen that's participating knows that they should not feel siloed or unheard, that they are important and they should be addressed and they should get the support that they need in that business environment. Number seven is kind of multi-touch point, multi-sensory um, content. Like, how do we think about how we're communicating with employees? Are we just sending like emails all the time? Are we sending out just a newsletter? Is that really engaging? Wouldn't it be fun to get a video delivered to your inbox? Or if you have some sort of social tool that you guys use in your company, some people use Facebook for business or Yammer or some other internal uh, portal system that they have, make fun contests. Do like uh, thing, TikTok challenges, do things like uh, QR code events and activities where people can get more engaged. You know, it gets boring for you when you're working and you see the same things over and over again. So really try to find really cool tools and ideas on how to make your communications internally with employees more engaging. And how do you do that um, communications when there isn't like a bulletin board in the coffee room where people can see it or posters when they're coming off the elevator. You really have to make those virtual touch points and make them creative. And I'd love to spend more time talking about this on a future episode. Yeah, I mean, I, I, did, I definitely saw some uh, some companies at least do, they did a lot of virtual uh, secret sanders in the holiday season that just went by as well as a way of just kind of making it a bit physical, right? Actually sending products to each other's houses. So that became like a fun thing, trying to pick and choose and then do that over Zoom. Um, I think one of the interesting things I saw very few companies do is some of them took screenshots or recordings of their Zoom calls and just shared it on their social media saying, hey, look what our team did today as a way of giving that recognition both outside and inside, right? It's a way for your users or customers to connect with you a little bit better to see like, look, look at them bond together. Uh, but it's a nice thing for the team as well. Like the team that doesn't get a lot of recognition has been really working hard behind the scenes to keep everything going, just gets their, you know, a little bit of recognition on social, which was, I think, which was a great idea. Yeah, it's so important to recognize that. 
Number eight is reading the data. So when you have an internal communications program within your company, you're going to get data. Uh, what are they opening? What are they clicking through? How many people opened and read the newsletter? What percentage have the staff have read the urgent messages that you have sent? What kind of channels are they accessing within the portal? Um, are they reading things on their mobile or their desktop? Like get the data and find out, okay, it's just like consumer behavior. What are the things that are working? What are the things that the employees love to kind of engage with? And what is the stuff that they're just not opening or reacting to? So understanding the data that you can get from your employees is really key. So when we think about the future of work, it's going to be data-driven understanding where employees are spending their most time, what are the things that excite them, what are the things that they're sharing, what are the things that they're talking about, like you can do really fun polls and other ideas just to engage kind of what are the things that are really important to them and then focus on delivering on those objectives. Or for example, what's not working, right? If there's something's not working, if the uh, newsletters are not being opened, like stop hammering on the same thing and then and maybe talk to the employees and see if there's a better way to engage with them. A hundred percent. And leads us to our last two, which is one of them is about skills. So Shirag, like skills are changing. Skill sets are changing. Like what employers are looking for and what employees are driven by is really shifting a lot. And so we think about um, some of the things that we know how to do today that are going to play more importance tomorrow and some of the skills that we really need to start to work on and hone in. So I always talk about being a lifelong learner and keeping yourself sharp, but there's a lot of skills that are going to be, that are in demand now that'll continue to grow. And some skills that if you don't have them, you start to need to start really kind of focusing on them. So looking about what are the roles and responsibilities that I need to continue to be sharp for my employer and to add value to them. So, you know, working with people, problem solving, self-management skills, such as resilience and how you tolerate stress and flexibility are really, really important. Understanding digital, everything to do digital from digital marketing to software development, coding, even project management is so important. These are tools and skills that are always going to be in demand. And so we think about, look at the skills that you have, look at the gaps where you really want to kind of fill and try to just do some research about where some of the growth areas of your industry can come from, which leads to the 10th point, which is the last one on the future of work, which is AI and automation. So when we think about AI and automation, we're thinking about how it's accelerating skills that are usually things that are repetitive. So um, things that like sending out newsletters or collecting data, those things can be automated, but some things can't be automated. Creative work can never be automated. I mean, if you look at newsletters, like even like five or 10 years ago, right, we used to have this very manual process, even though we were using spreadsheets, but you had this whole mail merge thing, and you had to maintain the list and do all of that stuff. All of that is automated today, right? So if you were stuck in those in that skill set five years ago, absolutely not something we need anymore, right? It's about managing a platform that can sell your email for you. And I think the last year has seen so much shift on, on in terms of digitalization and, and automation. And, and it's going to be even, even like, it's going to be one of the biggest trends of 2021, as you're pointing out. And so I think it's super important to kind of look at all of those skills that can be automated. It'll make you more efficient, but also open up your time to do things that are, uh, that are better, that are more interesting and, and upskill. Yeah, I mean, I think that the value of AI and automation is to help speed up uh, tasks that humans can't do. So humans are always going to be doing the creative work, but I think some digital tools, automated tools will help kind of push through those medial tasks that really humans can be spending their time doing more important things. 
The Future of Jobs survey finds that 50% of employers will accelerate automation of their work, while over 80% are set to expand the digitization of their work processes. And as we kind of conclude this episode on the future of work, I want you to think about how you're working differently in the next year. What did you like about your work from home or your remote setup? Or what are some of the things that you'd like to see happen at your workplace in 2021? I'd love to hear more. Feel free to email me at maha at digitalandsavvy.com or as always you can hit me up on instagram at maha gabber or at digital and savvy hope you guys have a great day okay we'll see you soon